All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us. Tim, you're here. How's it going? I am. Get, getting close to Christmas? Or are you getting excited? Yeah, I was just saying I'm hitting the road tomorrow, taking a half day and uh, we'll drive up and they'll do it over the course of a couple of days and take my time getting up to Boston because it's probably without traffic. It's probably 13 hours. And with the dog, he has to stop every couple hours. So we'll take Why? our time getting up. Uh, he has to go to the bathroom. He starts getting anxious. You know, it's funny. He he hates traffic. He hates when we're sitting at like a red light or sitting in traffic driving around the city or whatever. He starts whimpering if we're not going. And I'm like, buddy, I hate traffic too. I think he's just, he wants to move, you know? Weird. Yeah. Because you think dogs would be oblivious to what's happening. Right. Yeah. Okay. Every time. Every time we're in the car. He's good. It's just, we're sitting still. He's like, hey, let's go. Is he in the front seat on your no. lap or in the back? He's in the back. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. We're off to Boston. Going to miss that big epic storm. The storm of the century, people are saying. Yeah, we'll hit some of it for sure. I don't know. I don't know what exactly it's going to look like yet or where it's going to hit and when, but I'm aware of it. Yeah. Global warming. It's cold. These dummies. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? You are a scientist, aren't you? Do you consider yourself a scientist? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's cold outside. People think it's global warming. <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah, a science degree, though. I do. Engineering science. You know what? I got to address something. I was listening to our podcast yesterday. I, I, I listened to most of my try to. My kids are around. I throw it on because it's a family friendly show. There was an ad to start our show that was absolutely disgusting. And I want to apologize. Um, I'm not going to talk about the ad. There's no reason to bring it up, but it was, it made my stomach turn. It was gross. It was a, another podcast that was advertising at the start of our show. We work with this company called Adcast. Whatever. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of it so far. It's a way to bring in revenue. I'm addressing it. If it doesn't get fixed quickly, I'm just going to dump them because it's unacceptable. Um, if you're a, f- a father like I am, if you're a mother, if you're a child listening to this, you shouldn't have to expect to listen to that trash. I'm working on it. 
Hopefully you can get fixed ASAP like today for this episode. So let me know if you hear something you don't like. Shoot me a message. Let me know if the ads are inappropriate, not what you expect, because I was livid when I heard that. I very upset. So I apologize. Tim apologizes. The show apologizes. It's unacceptable to you. We pride ourselves in being a family, family-friendly show that everybody can listen to. So, yeah, so I just wanted to throw that out there because I, I was – Tim, you listened to it. You didn't hear it. So it's different people get different ads. Well, I don't know how it works. I really don't. I'll be frank. We just sign on with this company. It's not even us. So it's working on it, right, Tim? Yeah, yeah, I saw your message about it. I listened to it on two different platforms. I got two different ads, but neither of them were the one that you described. So just dynamic insertion is what they call it. Just different people get different ads uh, pretty randomly, I think. But yeah, not based on the person. Right. No, yeah, it's just it's just dynamic. It's just a roundtable. Just the next one up, you know. Oh, I was fuming. Absolutely. I sent Tim a message. I emailed the people who we're partnering with. I just, I don't usually get that upset, but I was fighting. But anyways, apologize. Apologies from dropping the gloves. Hopefully, hopefully it never happens again. But yes, I want to stress, if you hear an ad you don't like, contact us directly. How do they do that, Tim? What's a good way to get a hold of us? Just send us a DM, Twitter or Instagram. I read it. I'll read it same day. So We don't have an email. In my website, I didn't like it. I didn't like the, the name of it, John Scott All-Star. It's just like, <sighs> full of myself. I didn't like it. Well, you never bring it up anymore, you know, so. I was actually in 2016 and all-star, but I bring it up in a joking way. There's nothing worse than when someone's like, well, how do I get a hold of you? Oh, just email me at johnscottallstar.com. It's just like, <laughs> fully yourself much? Like, jerk? Like, just like, ugh, no thank you. So we got rid of that. We should get a website, though. We really should. Put that on our list, to-do list. Yeah. All right, moving on to hockey, Tim. League roundup. A little bit of league roundup, a little bit of talking about John Tortorella, a little bit of talking about which teams are just panic button time because things need to start changing fast. Let's start with the last interview, Josh Morrissey. All-star this year, speaking of all-stars, is he a lock for the all-star game, Morrissey? Yeah, I was actually watching um, the Bruins broadcast last night, and they had like the ticker of the top you know, performers, whatever. And, and he was third in defenseman, which is great. We talked about that with the interview. I didn't realize he's fifth, or at least as of yet before yesterday's games, fifth in the entire league in assists. So yeah, he's a surefire all-star. It was cool to see too. Like we hadn't interviewed anyone from that group really before. Um, so it was cool to get a little bit of insight. He wasn't the most descriptive. He kind of gave some canned answers, I think, but it was cool to see a little bit of, of what that locker room is like and how they responded, which obviously is really well to the whole captaincy thing. I wonder if he thinks in the back of his head that, like, I'm going to be captain. I wanted to ask him, but he was a little sensitive because you can tell him and Blake are wheels, as he calls them, are, are really good friends. It's like, do you think you're going to be the next captain? And how is that going to change? Because they don't have a captain. Right now, they only have two letters. It's him and Shifley are the A. That's it. No one else carries a letter on this team, which is rare because usually if you get rid of a C, you add another A. Right now, right. they only have two guys. It's him and Shifley. So they they didn't even give Wheeler an A. I didn't know that until the interview. Yeah. Because he had said, like, oh, he's not wearing a letter. He's still the, still the leader. And I thought he misspoke being like, oh, he's not wearing the C. And then I looked mm-hmm. it up. No letter. That is or surprising. even like they'll do a home and away, like two on the road, two at home. So you have four letters. That's what we did in San Jose for a little bit. Then they gave it to Pabs where we had Bernsey and Vlasic and 
Pickles and Pavelski or something. There was four A's or Couture or somebody, but they're only doing two. So he's, you got to think he's thought about it. Captain now. This is me. It's my team. It's my time. Out of the way, Wheeler. Beat it, nerd. It's my team. But anyway, it's a good interview. Some kids just aren't, you know, no, no mojo. Do you think that's because he doesn't want to say too much? It's. Uh, I think some players don't really distinguish between people like us or, or shows like us to speaking with the media in a scrum after a game or whatever, or on a press conference where they get asked questions. They only have one type of mindset and how they answer it. And so there's no differentiation between where some players can totally relax around us and give us stuff that they wouldn't say in a press conference. So I, yeah, I don't know. It could be that. It's frustrating for me. I'm sitting there trying to have a conversation. It's just canned answer after canned answer after canned answer. I'm just like, should we just end this now? Like it's not, I'm bored. Like, you know, like I want to have a normal conversation. Then as soon as we press record stop, it's just like, he's a normal guy again. And he's a great guy to talk to press record. Just like I'm interviewing data from star Trek. It's a robot. What do you, I I guess, what do you expect? They're not all going to be JT Miller's just shooting from the hip and just like saying whatever. I guess it's what you expect kids these days, but all in all, interesting to hear about Winnipeg's mindset. Very good. I don't know. What, what's the driving force? It's got to be Hellebuck, right? For their success. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Cause he didn't have a great season last year. And then, but I mean, Morrissey, he's leading the team in points. Yeah. Which is, is not a good thing. I don't think that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, think about uh, Eric Carlson did it and they got his team to the cup finals. So yeah. it's possible, but no, it's probably not an indicator of a healthy team. Eric Carlson also didn't have a Shifley, a Wheeler, a Dubois, a Connor, like a high end forwards. Yeah. Right. So speaking of goaltenders, speaking of, you know, standing on your head, the opposite's happening at Edmonton, Jack Campbell, just signs the big contract. And it happens quite often where a guy signs a big deal and just shuts it down. And we've seen it with goaltenders lately where they'll sign a deal and they just struggle. Grubauer in Seattle. You got Jack Campbell here. You had Ben Bishop in Dallas. I know he dealt with injuries. You see it, Bob Rofsky in Florida. It's becoming more of the norm where the goalies cash in and then they just completely shut it down and forget how to stop the puck. Jack Campbell, great season last year in Toronto. Everybody was clamoring over him in the offseason. Where is Jack Campbell going to land? Is he going to be in Toronto? Is he going to be in who else is looking for Washington? Is he going to go to Edmonton? He finally ends up in Edmonton, signs the big ticket, and woof. Oof the mare. This guy sucks. He's having a terrible, terrible season. Now, the bell of the ball last season, all of a sudden, there's rumors he's going to get bought out, Tim. There's rumors he's going to be put on waivers. There's rumors they're trying to get rid of him, trade him. They can't get rid of this guy. He's having a terrible, terrible season. So what do they do? They got his backup, Stuart Skinner. Stuart. Mad TV Stuart. reference. Love that. <laughs> Such what a good skit. Man, look what I can do. So this kid comes in, a rookie. He's playing f- not fantastic. He's playing very well. So what do you do with a good young goaltender? You want to extend him? And they did. They locked him up. Three years at $2.6 million. Pretty good deal, right, Tim? I think that's exactly the amount that he should get. I think this is a fair contract. But what does this mean for Jack Campbell? What does this mean for the Oilers' goaltending situation? 
Well, the pressure's on if it wasn't on already. I love this move for the Oilers because just for a minute, just as a thought exercise, take Campbell out of the equation. Having your your goalie locked up for three years with a good young goaltender, still only 24 years old, he's playing very well, like you said, and and having him locked up for three years making less than $3 million per is a great place to be if you're a competitive team that wants to free up the cap space for other places. And like you said, it's very rare, and Tampa Bay is the prime example, where you pay a goalie a lot of money and he's worth it, and you can still build a championship team around him. What we've seen with the other competitive teams is even the Bruins – all markers making five schmil. Like it's it's those guys that you catch them at the right time. They're probably a little underpaid, but but that's the risk you take. And so I think that's what they're hoping for with Skinner. And he's probably will expect to be the guy moving forward. And okay, now you open your eyes. You bring Campbell back into the mix. What where does he fit into that? I don't know because you could think about uh, a buyout if if he continues to struggle, say next year. But the cap relief that you would get from buying him out as well as with Paul Yarvier and some of these other contracts that are coming off would probably be just about evened out with uh, the penalty for a buyout. And so it's maybe it's not even worth it at that point. And you can try to bury him him, him in minors, but with a one way contract, it doesn't really relieve the cap. Right. Is that how it works? The buyouts? Well, no, if, if they put him, if they send him down to the condors. Oh yeah. No. So only, I think $900,000 they'll, they'll get a break on maybe even less than that. So they'll still be on the hook for over $4 million. So they, they wouldn't do that because you're basically wasting a $4 million player where they can just have him as a backup because you assume your backup's going to cost a million dollars. So I, I don't see him getting sent down. They might put him on waivers with the hopes a team would pick him up. You're stuck with this guy. <laughs> like there's no moving him. He makes $5 million, Tim, for the next four years, not including this year. He's locked up till 26, 27. Uh, did you foresee this coming? Honestly, because he, he played well for Toronto last year. Yes, he stumbled a little bit, but then he came back strong. He played well in the playoffs, even though they lost in the first round to Tampa Bay. He still played pretty, pretty solid hockey. I didn't foresee this at all. I thought this was a great signing by the Oilers this offseason. I did too. I did too. I didn't think it was kind of because because the whole narrative with him where he was a backup for most of his career in L.A. behind quick. And then in, in Toronto, he finally gets the starting reins and he ran with it and he would go hot and cold. He was a streaky goalie, but he was overall played pretty well. And so I think we thought, OK, Jack Campbell, maybe we overlooked him. Maybe we underestimated him when you give him a starting position, you give him the minutes, uh, the the net. He's finally shining and he's finally, you know, doing his job under the spotlight. and then. Well, it's a it's a hard thing to give a goalie like that term. And he signed for, what, six years at five million per five years. And so uh, it's not that much money. Like he's not it's it's he's being overpaid right now for the way he's performing. But it's not like it's the type of contract that can totally handcuff a team the way that like uh, Bobrovsky. Carry price, you know, those those ten million dollar contracts. Five five is definitely not nothing, but it's not like it's you're going to ruin your team competitiveness because of a goalie underperforming. But that said, it's a lot harder to hide a goalie underperforming than it is a, a, a skater. I would think. I don't know. And then it make it makes me think: is this is this a Jack Campbell issue, or is this an Edmonton Oilers issue? They they haven't had a goaltender with very good stats. Mike Smith played out of his lights last year, and he didn't have fantastic stats. And then when you look at Jack Campbell historically. Like the guy sports over the last eight years before this season, 2.6, I would say, is average goals against, and his save percentage hovers around 9.2. That's pretty good. 
This year, his goals against is four. His save percentage is 8.75. Now, what's the cause of that? Is that Jack Campbell just having a down year? Or is that because the Oilers just don't know how to play defense? It could, well, two things can be true. Yeah, but Stuart Skinner's putting up really solid stats, 283 and 915. You know, he's he started more games than Campbell. It's not like he's only played four or five games. So I don't know if you – I mean, it, certainly that has something to do with it. But also, let's not forget where Campbell came from. Toronto, also not known for like – they're probably better than the than the Oilers, but not they're an offense first team too, and Campbell did pretty well there. So I don't know if, if that's a fair to fair to say. Yeah, good call with Skinner. Maybe he's just having a bad year. I <laughs> I catch a few of the Oilers games and he he does give up bad goals, but he also gets hung out to dry quite a bit. You know, it's just what came first, the chicken or the egg. Why he gave up four goals with three of them were on a two on one. One of them was a beach ball where he should have had. So it's just the Oilers are having a, a tough run. But yeah, it's a good signing to go back to the signing. Stuart Skinner. I like it. He's a good goaltender. He's 24 years old. You got him locked up for three years. I would have tried it down a longer term. Maybe they did. But it's a it's a good manageable amount. He's going to hit free agency. He'll still be 27. So it's a, it's a good deal for him. If he shows up the next three years, he'll be the guy asking for $5 million. And then he'll be the starter. But I don't know. The Oilers are in a tough spot. Money is is very, very fickle now with the salary cap not raising at all. $1 million, which is essentially nothing. Every dollar counts. And when you look at your roster and you look at your backup goaltender, making $5 million and you're trying to make things work, oh, man, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow. When you have to just have a player who's not playing essentially a healthy scratch, 75% of the games and he's making $5 million. That's, that's a tough pill to swallow. So that they'll be hard pressed to compete if they can't get something for Campbell or get him to find his game. So I don't know. It's not a terrible thing. But it does hurt now that the cap's not getting a little more juice in it because of Gary Bettman and his mismanagement of everything. I should I should take it easy on Gary. I'm I'm hard because I don't like him. All right, anything else on the Oilers, Tim? No, no. I want to talk about another team here. Oh, John Tortorella. It's he's back in the news. How can a team that is struggling so much, the Philadelphia Flyers, with a record of 10, 15, and 7? be in the news this often for non kind of non hockey related reasons torts goes out of his way to create controversy or is he just trying to make his team better that's the question that needs to be answered because this is this is a hot topic hot button issue topic that people are talking about john tortorella just healthy scratched his team's leading scorer kevin hayes leads the philadelphia flyers i think he has 29 points in 33 games something like that so he's having a de- decent season. Torch just healthy scratched him last game. And this is this was Torch's reasoning. He was asked, why is Kevin Hayes not playing? And this is Torch. He goes, quote, I can't keep looking by things because we're worried about scoring. Okay, I get it. Kevin Hayes is not good defensively. Very, very bad defensively. Lackluster in his own zone. His effort is not there. This wouldn't be an issue to me, him scratching the Philadelphia Flyers, if he played for the Edmonton Oilers and they're averaging four or five or three or four goals a game. Flyers are averaging 2.39 goals a game. They don't score much. So they need every goal they can get. And they're 
sitting their best player, their most offensively, you know, gifted forward. I don't know. I want to get your take on this because I think we're completely on the opposite end of the spectrum here. But first, what was Kevin Hayes' response to this? Because he's a leader on this team, right? He's been there a long time. He might be the longest tenured guy. JVR has been there quite a while too. His response probably was measured. And it was a team first response, I would imagine, to not create an even bigger controversy. What was Kevin Hayes' response? A Boston guy, keep in mind. Yeah, he said, I don't think anyone enjoys being scratched. I wasn't happy, but it's not my decision. I'm never going to say there's a benefit to being benched. I don't think I should have been benched, but it's not my decision. He's the coach. I'm a player. He makes the lineup. He wants the best team on the ice to ultimately win. And that's what he, and that's what he wanted last night. You can be benched and everyone writes about being better defensively. I try every night to be the best player I can be. And some nights it goes well for me. Some nights it doesn't. I try to be consistent. He felt I was doing worse than the team. I w- he felt I was doing worse for the team than better. So he decided not to play me. Took the high road. I love that. He did. Yep. He took accountability. He said, I need to be better. My effort's not there consistently. I'm going to learn from this and I'm going to be a better player. It's, just, it's exactly what you want one of your veterans to say. A guy who's making $7 million one of your core guys in the future, right? Nailed it. Kevin Hayes nailed it. What a dumb response. Let's touch on that in a second, but let's, let's focus on, I could talk about this situation for hours because this is a microcosm of just society in a whole (laughs) millennials. I'm telling you what it is. John Tortorella is old school. What do you think of his benching? A, not just him, Tony Delangelo, Rista Rista Linen, the defense, Tony, the benching all three of these guys, mainly for effort reasons. He wants them to play John Tortorella hockey. He wants them to do the hard things, not sometimes, not most of the time, all the time, all the time. This is, this is a one direction conversation. If I'm John Tortorella, you will do this or I will sit you. That's it. If you don't do it, you will be benched. I played for John Tortorella. I know how these things work. He has zero room for error if it's not done hard. Like you can make mistakes as long as you're working hard. If you're not working hard, you're done. And people criticize him. Well, he only plays in fourth and third liners. No, 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 no. Ryan Callahan worked his tail off. Brad Richards worked his tail off. Marion Gabrick worked his tail off for him. These guys, they pl- he played them until they were dead in the legs because they worked hard. These guys in Philadelphia are not working hard and Torch is trying to, it, what do you do? Do you just say, okay, you get a free free pass because you're a good player? I could see that if we were winning. I get that. If we're f- first or second in the standings. It's like, guys, we suck. We suck. We're in the Bedard sweepstakes. And you're still not going to try? And you think you're going to get a pass because you're scoring some points? I, I I don't usually side with John Tortorella. I am wholeheartedly on his side for this one. What's your take on this? Should he be benching his leading score attempt? Well, it's interesting because Ryan Whitney put it out on Twitter. How many times has a leading scorer of a team been benched outright? 
not counting like, you know, dealing with family stuff or whatever. And, and I was reading the responses and reading, just trying to do a little bit of digging. The only example we could find was uh Kovalchuk, the devils. I mean, that was kind of a strange circumstances and, and, you know, those Russians are, are, are different, but so it's, it's a good point. And the flyers on winning, you don't, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine you're a better team without your best player, but something's got to change. And I think it's probably a message to more than just Hayes, right. When he, when you bench a guy like that, I wondered too of, of how he did it. Do you think he pulls him aside? Like, Hey, Kev, just heads up. Like we're going to make some things up. Or do you think he didn't tell him at all? In fact, he saw it on the lineup card or whatever, or do you think he did it in front of everyone in the video room and said, Kev, you're done. I'm sitting you tomorrow night. Like, how do you, how do you think he, he approached that? One or one of the last two, he didn't do it quietly. Yeah. Like this, he's, he's trying to send a message and he's been trying with this team for the last couple weeks with, with the benchings of Tony and Risto. So this, this has been something he's been trying to get through to these guys, but nothing's working. So I, I bet he, he talked to him on the ice, you know, during pregame skate, skated with him and said, you got to be better. He had him in his room. They watch videos. Nothing's working. Nothing's working. And if you watch Philadelphia hockey, you know what I'm talking about. Kevin Hayes is a great hockey player when he wants to. If it's a 10-game stretch, two games are great, where he's just like, gosh, this guy is fantastic. Five games, he's non-existent, and three games, he's terrible. So what do you like? What do you expect Tortorella to do? You have to hold someone accountable, especially your top guy. So, yeah, I, I, I'm guessing he just had the lineup card. And Kevin walked in, he's like, oh, I guess I'm not playing. Then he gets grabbed by a reporter and he gets asked this question. And he's a little salty, but that begs a question. Torts has been there three months. Has he already lost the team? Because you're quote unquote veteran. I don't even know if they have a captain since Giroux left. I don't know if they named somebody else as their captain. What, what, what happens now? He's your best player. You've benched your arguably top two defensemen in Risto and Delangelo, Cam Atkinson's not coming back. He's done for the season. What's next for the Flyers? Has Torch just completely lost the team and it's only three months into his tenure? I mean, I don't know. I, possibly. It's 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 frustrating too for like obviously all the players, they want to win. Look at a guy like Carter Hart, where after coming on the scene being the next carry price, and then he sort of struggled the next two seasons and and the confidence wasn't there. It wasn't just the goals. It wasn't just the volume of goals he was letting in, but it was the, the beach balls and stuff. And then this year he starts off and he started off like five and one or something and like two shutouts or like something crazy. And and now he's stuck on a team that seemingly has no future. The team's not playing in front of him. And even the best players apparently aren't doing what they need to do to win. And it's got to be frustrating for him. Like, well, there's no end in sight for this team. I don't know if there's a team that has a worse next three years than the Flyers. Can you think of any? No. Well, maybe San Jose. No. But not even that bad. Because right now yeah. you got Kevin Hayes locked up. He's got 7.1. You got Sandheim locked up. Reese the line. You have a like all these players are decent players. It's just not working. So to make my point, this is how I think of the Flyers. Torch is trying to just change this whole franchise. He's coming in and he sees dysfunction right from the top. It's it's no coincidence that the guys he's benching are all of Chuck Fletcher's high-profile signings. These are all guys that he signed to these big, long deals. He thought they were going to change the franchise, and Torch is just benching them. Risto, Delangelo, Hayes, 
all of these guys he's benching. He would bench Atkinson if he could. Like, there is something's brewing in Philadelphia. Torts wants a new general manager. He wants to change the identity of this team. And he's making his point known early. It's not acceptable. The old ways are done. They weren't working. This is my team now. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how long you have left on your contract. I don't care who you know. This is my team. And he's sending a message. We'll see if we'll see if they get the answer. But I am wholeheartedly, like I said, on Tortorella's side here. I'm team Tortorella because this team stinks, Tim. What else are we supposed to do? Pat these guys in the back for scoring 29 points in 33 games? No, you're losing. You're you're on a losing hockey team. So there has to be some sort of accountability. I'm sorry. Usually I'm on the player side, but on this side, uh, you got to bench him. And you ha- that that quote by Hayes just says it all. He he is not a grown up. He's a little baby. He got his feelings hurt. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't agree with it. And how is it supposed to make me better? Wah, wah, wah. How about you do a little interest, introspection, look inside yourself, and figure out why you're being benched, not blaming somebody else and just throwing a little hissy fit in the press. It's just, you think Torts is going to like that response? Well, uh, okay. If saying nothing isn't an option, what would you have rather have him said? I just said, take some account, take some responsibility. What does that like, sound like? Because he says like... <laughs> I try to be the best player I can be. It's his decision. It is what it is. Like, it's not, it's not like he's, he's trying to, he's a little more subtle. He's a little more backhanded with, with, with how he feels, but how would you, what would you like to have said? I wouldn't have said anything. What he said, maybe the first part, I don't enjoy being scratched. I wasn't happy about it, but then don't say this next part. I'm never going to say there's a benefit to being benched. I don't think I should have been benched, but it's not my decision throwing torts under the bench. He's the coach. I'm the player. He makes the lineup. He wants the best team on the ice and that's what he wanted. So that's what he did. It's just, it's just screams entitlement. Can you imagine that Bergeron saying that? No. Can you? (laughs) No, this is not what a leader is supposed to sound like. This is what an entitled brat sounds like. Who's just got his toy taken because he did something wrong. It's, it's not okay. This is, I'm not going to get too deep into it. With just how the modern player doesn't hold it's just it does speak volumes to how players see a team atmosphere now. That's why when you do get a Bergeron, everyone's just so amazed by how good of a leader he is. It's like, no, that's what the normal guy used to be. The normal NHL player used to be team first. You play for the crest on the front, not the name on the back. Now it's completely different. I want to say something about that real quick. The Bruins last night were up four nothing after the first period. They come in about six, seven minutes into the third, into the second period. The um, Panthers have scored three straight. It's four to three, just like that. All the bounces are going the other way. The ice is tilted and they end up coming back. They win seven to three. The game got out of hand pretty quickly, but there was that, there was a couple of minutes where we, where we thought, okay, this, this team could be in trouble tonight. And, and uh, Montgomery said after the game, he said, if this was a younger team and a different leadership group, I would have called the timeout there. But but I just knew that they had it and, and I let them do their thing and, and trusted them to make the adjustment they needed to without me getting in the way. And they did. And he said he he made another line about just like if he was a younger coach in different situations, he learned he's you know how to do that well. And I thought it was brilliant. I love that. And that's the the benefit and the difference of of this group versus a, a team like the Bruins. Not just I the agree. talent. You know? Yeah, well, there there's the qualities they have, you know, they're different virtues, different 
things that are important to them. Hayes wants to score goals. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to play defense. Defense. He doesn't want to do the difficult things that it takes to be successful. That's why Philly will never, not that they had any chance, but they'll never be a good team if he's on the team acting that way. And that's a sad truth because he's probably a great guy. I think I've met him before. You're not going to win with a guy like that on your team, making that much money. Maybe you can hide him on the third and fourth line. But if he's one of your top paid guys, seven, seven plus million. And he's saying that and reacting this way, there's no way you'll win, Tim. It's impossible. It just blows my mind that he has the audacity to say that. I get you're upset, but just take it like a man, you know, like just he should order DoorDash, went to his room, fired up DoorDash, used our promo code, saved himself some money because he might be bought out. So he's not going to make a seven point something. And then just relax. Look, take a breath. Then have your response. And guess what? You can be like Kevin Hayes too. When you get upset, when you need a minute, fire up DoorDash. Use our promo code GlovesDDUS. If you're in Canada, it's just GlovesDD. 25% off free delivery. Give yourself a minute, everybody. Enjoy life for a hot second while you're getting healthy scratched. Or getting broken up by your girlfriend or boyfriend. Use DoorDash. It's fantastic. And save some money because we all need a little bit of money in our pocket right now. Thanks to inflation. You got to save. DoorDash with our promo code helps you do that. That was the most relaxed DoorDash ad I've ever done. It was very chill. Very serene. I like that. I'm, I'm very relaxed. When I relax, you know what I like to do? Order DoorDash. That's what I do, baby. <laughs> All right, moving on. Looking at the standings, we're a third of the way through the season. Some teams have played 34, 35 games. Other teams have played 30, 31. I think everyone's played at least 30 games. We're more than a, way th- more than a third way through the season. We're almost halfway through the season for Pete's sake. And it got me thinking. You look at those standings, which teams are in big, big trouble? Because there's one thing to be there's one thing to be in trouble after Thanksgiving. You know, you you got some room. We're a month past that now. We are deep into the schedule. We were talking to who? It was Josh Morrissey. He said there's just a cramming a ton of games in November and December. There's just a, a ton of games every single night. There seems like there's four games this week, four games that week, three games that week. We're, we're just doing back-to-backs, twos and threes, threes and fives. It's nuts. You're going to turn around. It's going to be January 1. Everybody's played 40 games. So what teams are in big, big trouble right now where they might not even get a sniff of the playoffs. There might not even be a push, Tim, come March. So let's start with teams that I think myself are in big, big trouble. And let's start in the East Coast with the Florida Panthers. Big, big moves last season. They were scoring at will. They were the surprise team, right? Stanley Cup contenders, President Trophy winners. They were flying on all cylinders. Didn't do anything in the playoffs. Go out and make a move to change their team identity. Bring in Matthew Kachuk. A little bit of sandpaper. Everybody knows what he brings to the playoffs. Everybody, all the all the extra things that Matthew Kachuk brings. He was going to be the difference. Coming into this season, that was it. They've struggled, Tim. Mightily. In areas where I didn't think they were going to struggle offensively, they're struggling. They're 15, 14, and four. They're 11th in the Eastern Conference. They played three more games than the team chasing them, the Detroit Red Wings. 
Montreal, Ottawa have games in hand on the Florida Panthers. If those three teams win those games, next week, the Panthers will be in 14th place in the East. Can you believe that? We've gone halfway through the season and Florida's in 14th place. Last year, they were already coasting to the President's Trophy by this point. They were beating teams every night, eight to, remember they were winning eight to six, nine to four, seven to three. They'd go down three and they'd score six. They were unstoppable. Now they can't score. Their defense is suspect. Their goaltenders are floundering. Can the Florida Panthers season be salvaged, Tim? Can it? Sure. There's some talent on that team. And, and Will it? <laughs> no. Well, no. No. I, I, so I, I watched them just last night, and the goaltending is certainly part of it. Um, Spencer Knight, I don't want to overdo it based on one goal, one game, but he didn't look great. And he's some, some, some goals he really should have had back. Just like unobstructed views, shots from the high slot on on a, on a side, like coming down toward the boards, and he's not even touching the puck. That Oof. sort of stuff. So... Didn't look quite right. Bobrovsky hasn't been great either. And you look at like, okay, you could say, all right, well, they lost Huberdeau. They lost uh, Uyghur. Maybe those are bigger losses than we thought. But their replacements, because Kachuk is playing just as well. He's more of a goal scorer, a different game. But he's playing very, very well. And he's got a more well-rounded game. And you say, okay, maybe it's Uyghur. But they did all this last year. The best team in the league, four goals a game. And Ekblad missed 20 games, and he's their best defenseman. So it's not like Uyghur is that big of a loss that – that it's worth this much of a flip. I don't know. Is it the coaching? Did Brunette just like catch something special last year? It's hard to say. I, I don't have an answer. I, I just think last year was lucky. I really yeah. do. I think they played a different style. I think they played fast. I think Andrew Burnett, like you said, did make a difference. He had their special teams humming last year. Their power play was very, very solid. This year, they're bottom 10 in both power play and penalty kill percentage. They're struggling in all facets of the game. And I think the losses to this team were big. That's what happens with a good team in the salary cap era. You can't, you can't keep everybody. So they lose Huberdo, they lose Uyghur, they lose Marchment, they lose Trochik. Duclair's been gone for the season with his Achilles injury. He's apparently coming back soon. That's five big pieces to your roster. Huge pieces, especially up front. They have, but they had a deep, deep forward group last year. Do you remember they could roll three lines that were dangerous? This year, when you look at their lineup, who, like, who are these guys? Not most of them, but I'm talking about the third and the fourth line. They're not dangerous. They're not scary. Even their second line, Verhegi was ha- he had a great season last year. He has taken a step back. Reinhardt's been good, but it, it's it's not the same dynamic group that we saw last year. Barkov's been injured. He's been in and out of the lineup lately. I know that, but I just I think last year was a fluke. I really do. I really, really do. And to just to put the cherry on top, their highest paid player is just stinking it up again. Sergey Bobrovsky, he's bad, Tim. He's flat out a bad goaltender these days. If he was just a young kid trying to make it into the NHL, no one would touch him. He's seven and nine. Save percentage is under nine. His goals against is 3.26. He's a bad goaltender. This team will not make the playoffs. No way they make the playoffs if they keep playing the way they are. Who who will they take out? I don't know. At this point, they're closer for the the sweepstakes for Connor Bedard than they are for making the playoffs. I uh, it's unbelievable to say that. I thought they were a lock at the start of the season to make the playoffs. 
when's the last time a president's trophy winner went from making the playoffs to completely missing out on the playoffs the next year? Not exactly the same thing, but Montreal went from the cup to the basement in one year. Yeah, that is true. The bubble was so weird. It was such Mm -hmm. a weird dynamic, but yeah, I don't like the Panthers chances. I really don't. They're seventh in goals for a year after just scorching everybody. And the big issue for me is goals against, they cannot keep the puck out of their net. And it's not like they're giving up a ton of goals. They're giving up more than they're putting in the net. So I, I don't like the Florida Panthers. If I was going to have a panic rating from one to 10, it's a 10. These guys need to pick it up. They are not playing well. There's no signs of improvement. Spencer Knight, he's a good goalie, but I just don't like this team. Even their defense, like you mentioned, Ekblad's good. Mark Stahl's 100 years old. He's playing in the second D pairing. It, it's it's not looking good for the Florida Panthers. I'm sorry, friend of the show, Rad Kaguda, Spencer Knight, but you're not making the playoffs this year. You're not. With, with the amount of teams in front of you, with the amount of talent that they have, it's a tough, tough hill. That you guys got to climb. All right, moving on. Let's move over to the Western Conference. Former Stanley Cup champions. What? What? They're in trouble? The former Stanley Cup champions last year? Colorado Avalanche? How could they be in trouble? They got Kale McCarr. They're not in insane trouble, but they're in seventh in the West. Their troubles are a little bit more manageable than the Florida Panthers because I think Colorado just its injuries. That's why. You know, their top guys aren't playing. You got Landeskog, McKinnon, Bowen Byram, Josh Manson on the back end. Those are two big cogs in the back. That's why they're losing, don't you think? Or is it a little bit more in-depth than that? Or is it just straight-up injuries? That's why they're struggling. It's straight-up injuries. That's why they're struggling. I mean, you, uh, you, you believe that? I do. Look, <laughs> look at their roster. It's the, It's been depleted this year. McKinnon, Landeskog, like all these big, big-time players. I mean... It, <sighs> The amount of games that they've lost, you know, what, what do they call it? Game manpower games or whatever. Yeah. Like, and then, but not just that, but the highest end players, everyone but Ranton and McCarr has missed some serious time in their top eight players or whatever. So yeah, it's just, it's just a little bit of a hangover maybe, but it's the injuries. If those guys are healthy all season long, they're probably second or third in their division. Um, so I think they're fine. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know. I, I think it goes deeper than that. I think the losses of Kadri and Burakovsky are bigger than people think. Those two guys rounded out their top two lines so nicely. They had a lethal top two lines with Burakovsky, Kadri, Rantanen, McKinnon, Nashuskin, and Lykanen. Those six guys formed almost an unstoppable top two. And what that does is drops Confer down, it drops Newhook down, it drops Rodriguez down. That made their third and fourth line are so, so good and effective. And they just focus on checking and getting in there and just providing energy. What they should do. When you lose Kadri, when you lose Burakovsky, you're now forcing guys into the first and second line roles that they're not usually accustomed to. A new hook, a Lycanin. I don't know, Tim. I think this Colorado Avalanche team is in trouble. I really do. I think they'll make the playoffs because they're in a weaker Western Conference. But I think it's a lot more difficult than just saying, oh, we're injured. We'll be fine. I don't think it's a uh, Stanley Cup hangover by any means. I think they're playing well. But I don't think they have the depth that they need to compete in the playoffs. I think they'll make the playoffs. But it would not surprise me if they get bounced in the first round. They only have four guys in the top 150 scores in the NHL. Four. Rantanen, McKinnon, McCarr, and Lykanen. 
They have two in the top 50. It's not good enough for a team that was just unstoppable last year. McCarr's taking a step back. He's fifth in points for D-man, which is great. This time last year, him and Fox were just running away with scoring, and Yossi was there too. But McCarr was pacing everybody at a time. He doesn't, I'm not saying he looks terrible, but he doesn't look like the same McCarr as we saw last year. Maybe that's because his line mates aren't there. The power play's not as strong. But they're 25th in goals four. So I do think they'll make it in, but their depth and their scoring makes me nervous. The thing that's saving them now is Georgiev has looked great. Nobody's forgetting about or wondering where Darcy Kempfer is. He has come in. He has played fantastic. I like that pickup. He has done really, really well in that. Their fourth and goals against their defense has been somewhat solid. Not somewhat, very solid. Their fourth and goals against. They're playing well defensively. I just, I don't know, Tim. I don't know. I don't think they have the depth that they had last year, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe McKinnon comes back. Landis God comes back. They can sort out those top two lines. Everybody moves back to the more comfortable positions and everything is fine. But as it looks right now, I'm nervous. I'm the avalanche fans. I'm, I'm just holding my breath a little bit because they don't, they don't look like the defending Stanley cup champions. I don't know. Moving on to a team that wishes they were defending Stanley Cup champions, a team that wishes they were in the Colorado Avalanche place right now, a team that is just everything's gone wrong this season, but they still have a chance because they play in the dumpy Pacific Division. The Calgary Flames, Tim, what's going on in Calgary and why are they in trouble? Yeah, this is the team we've probably spent a lot of time talking about. And and you look at Huberto, you look at Uyghur, the new additions, not been good enough. Kadri has been okay. And even the guys who have been there aren't playing their best hockey. Lindholm isn't playing his best. Manjapani's not playing his best. Markstrom, you do a whole show on him. He's not playing very well. It's all of us not working. All of us not working. We talked about this maybe two weeks ago and said, at what point do you give Daryl Sutter the uh, jab, right? And I still don't know if we're there yet, but the pressure's on. Like you, you, you're running out of room to start making up these points and, and gain the, 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 the wins that you need to be competitive and make sure you got a playoff spot because it's going to be wide open and they should be winning a lot more games. And I can't wrap my head around why it's not happening. Do you think it's the systems? Do you think it's the way he's deploying his forwards? Because they have talent. They have good forwards who have scored in their career. I, I, I can't understand it either because when you look at their roster, you go, okay, Toffoli, Lindholm, Huberto, Kadri, Mangiapani, Backlund, Coleman, all of these guys have scored goals in their career. They know how to put the puck in the net. Their defense is great. Everybody raved about their defense at the start of the season. There's no fleet-footed defenseman who's going to join the rush and be that guy, but they're all manageable guys. Rasmus Anderson, Noah Hannifin, Weger, they're good defensemen who can get up in the play and aren't a liability. So maybe it is Sutter, you know? I defended him two weeks ago saying he he's trying to get these guys to play. He's trying to do his best, but maybe he just doesn't have the right system for this team because we saw them succeed last year. But I think the biggest thing is Jonathan Huberto. They needed a guy to replace Johnny Gaudreau. They needed that playmaker to come in and just settle everything down, create space for everybody and be a distributor. And that was supposed to be Jonathan Huberto. And he is just, he's, he's bad, Tim. 
He's got 19 points in 29 games. He looks lost. He's been dropped down to the third line. His coach is talking about him taking dumps in the locker room. Like, where's where's uh, Huberto? I don't know. He's taking a taking a deuce. Like, it's it's not good in Calgary right now for Jonathan Huberto, and he's locked up there for eight more years. So they're 22nd in goals for. They're 17th in goals against. They're just a mundane bad team who's going to finish in 10th place in the West. This is not where they should finish. They're maxed out on their salary cap. They are one of the top five teams in the league when it comes to salary. They they need to win right now. That's why they went out and made that trade for Huberto. That's why they got Mackenzie Weger. This this is it. They're competing. But yeah, they're out of the three teams, Florida, Calgary, and Colorado. Which two do you think are going to miss the playoffs? Um, which one? Sorry, which one? Florida. You think Florida? I do too. And Calgary. They're my Stanley Cup champion team <laughs> at the start of the season. You could have picked both those teams for the finals. Yeah. I know. You could have locked them in. It's it's amazing. Is it coaching? Is it the players? Is it just, I don't know. Stuff like this doesn't happen with good teams. You know what I mean? Tampa Bay, you never have this issue. They lose four, then they win seven. They they sort it out. They figure it out. Boston. They lose one or two, they win eight. They figure it out. It's because they have that core leadership like you touched on earlier. They don't get flustered. They don't get flapped. They figure it out and they move on. These guys are so, it just doesn't seem like they're a team. I don't know. Can you put your finger on it? Make it make sense? No, because when you were talking about the system and, and Sutter's a defense, you know, first tough, gritty style of hockey, but like I think, other than Huberdo, they're built for that. Like Kadri likes that kind of hockey. Lindholm's gotten Selkie votes before. Like Toffoli's won multiple cups. He knows what it takes to win. This is a roster that should be equipped to handle a system like that. It's like uh, you know they're saying like they have all the pieces, but they can't figure out how to put it together. And it seems kind of what. And Markstrom, we haven't talked that much about him. I don't know what's going on there. Bad going. His numbers are terrible. Everything's bad. Sutter talked about it a month ago. He's got under nine save percentages. Goals against is insanely high. He's playing terrible. So either something needs to just give and he starts playing well and Calgary starts converting their chances because they get great chances or they got to get rid of Sutter. That's it. There's no other option. You have to, this team is too good for them to just keep going as it's going. They have to make a change. They have to do something to shake the season up because you can't just have another lost season next year. It's not going to get any easier. Huberto's salary cap kicks in. He goes from making 6 million to making 10 million. So it's not going to get any easier for the Calgary flames. Like you're going to be in cap hell next year. So something, something needs to happen and it needs to happen soon, whether they acquire a player and just go all in this season Get rid of Daryl Sutter. I don't know, but they're too good of a team for them to be happening. Some honorable mentions. Teams with their panic button, hand over the button. Edmonton Oilers, they have to be worried as well. Evander Kane's not there. Your starting goaltender, Jack Campbell, has just been terrible. You're outside looking in right now for a playoff spot. So they're in the mix. St. Louis and Nashville, pretty much the whole Western Conference. They're all playing bad, except for Vegas. That's it. Everybody's just playing subpar. Vegas is the end Seattle. Those two teams are the only two teams where I think when you look at the halfway report card, you're like, oh, we're playing pretty good. Every other team in the Western Conference, you're, you're thinking, I, I wish we would have, would have done something different. 
the Blues are a team that I have not been able to wrap my head around either because they they should be really good. And and I'm going to have to do some digging because you know how we talked about how hot and cold Buffalo has been where they win 7 out of 10 and they lose 7 out of 10 and they basically do that all season long. It's been like that for the Blues. They started off bad and then they won like 12 out of 14 or something. And then they've been then they lost a whole bunch in a row. And now they won I think 3 out of the last 4. So they could it could be the beginning of that kind of streak again. And Bennington's really at the core of, of all of that. I love what you asked Miller about Bennington. That's gotten some good uh, engagement online. People okay. love it. Yeah. Buffalo's won eight of 10, by the way, they're, they're back on the ups They're They're playing great. All because of Tage Thompson. Oh my gosh. Another highlight real goal last night. I didn't see that Great. one, but I can just imagine he's, is he, he's unstoppable. We got to get him on the show. This, this off season, I'm telling you what, I would just be fanboying over him. All right. Some quick hits, Tim. It's getting closer. The GLI, we're days away. Days away. We got one more interview coming out later this week. Detroit Red Wing defenseman Jordan Oosterly or Osterly. He told me how to say it too. Uh, it's such a such a hard name to say. He's going to come on on Friday. He used to play for the Western Conference, Western Michigan Broncos. So he'll be here. We'll talk about a little GLI action, Detroit Red Wing action. But yeah, Tim and I are going to be there next week. Check us out. We'll be there. If you want to check us out, in the arena will be there before game one. So we're going to do a live episode probably around two, two thirty. So, you know, have some fun, grab a beer, mingle with Tim and I will be around probably after the game to no, not probably we will be around to hang out. So come and uh, say hi. Camel Carr, Did he just lock up the Selkie award for the most friendly player by waving off a penalty? The lady Bing lady. Bing. Yes. Yeah. That was cool. I've never seen that before. Have you just in my men's league? When I buried somebody yeah. and he said it wasn't a penalty, but not in the NHL to say, you know what? No, 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 no penalty. So who's Barzal was tracking him behind the net. Yep. And McCarr goes down. Right. The ref thinks it's a trip, raises his hand. McCarr says, no, not a trip. I just fell. Skates got tied up, went down. Good on him. Had, I don't think I would have done it. He had a great quote too. Cause he's like, I felt really bad because he didn't trip me. And I, but I felt just as bad for the boys on my team that we waved the penalty off. So he's like, I don't, he's like, I don't think I'll do it again, but yeah, this is just honesty. He's so authentic. He's so humble. He's such a, he's just a good cat. I like him. Do you think that was a mistake? He just did it. It was an instinct to go. No, no, no. If you yeah, would have had a little bit of time. Yeah. He did it right away. Do you think the coach afterwards, he's just like, what are you doing? Kel? Like just play hockey. We'll worry about penalties. You just play hockey. Probably. Yeah, probably. All right. Friend of the show, Jason Mayer, signed a one-year two-way deal with the Edmonton Oilers. Love it. Do you think he'll play? Yes. By by the end of January, he'll be running power play one you, for the Oilers. What? No, no. I hope he does get called up. I hope he gets to skate with those guys. It's We talked, you know, how hard he's worked about coming back from injuries and just, um, yeah, good for him. I like those sort of stories. Yeah, I don't know if he makes the team, but it is a it is a good story. The Oilers, as we talk about, they're a bad defensive team. So he he wouldn't do any worse. So hopefully he makes it good for Jason Amaris. All right. Are we done, Tim? Uh yeah. One trivia question. Thought this was kind of cool. Um was looking at a, a graphic someone put out over sometime this week. Um which which team in the league has the lowest points leader? And who is that player? The lowest points leader. How many points does he have? 22. 22. That's it? Yeah. Yowzer. Is it Seattle? No, they're close. They're like, they're they're in the 20s, but no. Is it Carolina? 
Nope. Eastern and Western Conference. Western. It's not Arizona. Clayton Keller has 30. Is it San Jose? Nope. Who is it? The Blackhawks. LA. The Hawks. Yeah. Kaner got 22. Kaner only has 22. Oh. Where does he go? Let's let's wrap up the show. And I, I saw this this posed as well. Is Anaheim just losing their trade leverage by how bad they're doing? Because when you when they started this season, I said, okay, Anaheim has set themselves up very nicely at the deadline. They're going to have some very valuable pieces that people are going to want to get. They bring in Klingberg. They have Adam Henrique. They have a lot of guys on expiring contracts who are very good veterans. Have they just shot themselves in the foot because they're just playing so incredibly bad? Where you got a Shattenkirk, a Klingberg, a Dmitry Kulikov, a Nathan Beaulieu. Four very good defensemen. All these guys arguably could have been getting first and second rounders. Have they just ruined their chances of getting traded because how bad they're playing? Uh, Maybe. Because there's two different angles. One is the players aren't playing well, so they're worth less. And the second is the team has no bargaining power because of their position in the standings and their need to get rid of some of these contracts. So it's like a t- double-edged sword. So yeah, probably. probably. But yeah. that said, there's still players on this team that guys are going to want and, and well, at least call about. Yeah. yeah. I think all four of those defensemen will be traded. They're all really good guys who we'd like to have on your team, even as just a number seven. Not Klingberg. You're going to play him, obviously. But yeah, Anaheim, gosh, another team was just like, what happened? Like, they were so exciting last year. This year, they're just terrible. Was Sonny Milano that valuable for this team that they was tanking that much of that? Did you see John Gibson's quote his agent made? No. So his agent he was sick of answering questions about the Toronto Maple Leafs getting traded there. Finally, his agent just came out and said, John Gibson does not want to play in Toronto. He, he has no interest in playing in Toronto whatsoever. So don't stop asking about it. He likes being in Anaheim. And even if he did want to be traded, it's not to Toronto. So just quiet that. And I don't even know why Toronto's looking for goalies right now. They got three good goalies who are all playing well. So it's a moot point at this point. But anyways, that's enough for us. Have a good day, everybody. We will talk to you on Friday. What's up, Tim? Wait, this is our last live show, I think, until Christmas, until after Christmas. So happy holidays if you celebrate. Yeah. Merry Christmas. See you guys in the new year. Or no, we'll we'll see you at the GLI in Grand Rapids. Right, Tim? That's right. That All is right, everybody. correct. Have a good weekend. Have a Merry Christmas. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.